Tony Robbins in his uh, incredible program called Business Mastery, he always says to people, if your business could not survive without you for a year, if you went and hiked, you know, um, Mount Everest for a year and there'd be nothing left when you came back, you don't have a business, you have a job. And you took and too long to get up Everest. You took, <laughs> and you died on Everest. You're dead, you died, so you're not coming you back. You stopped at base camp and Steve and Scotty had old fashions, yeah. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today I'm sure I have Steve Diamond. Steve's a good friend of mine. I've known him for many years, I think since he got into the mortgage business. He's one of the coaches in our 10 Loans a Month Academy, one of our favorite coaches, amazing communicator. And today we talk about how Steve has transitioned from being a high face-to-face guy with all of his clients, meeting literally every client face-to-face, sometimes two, three times, and then now moving to working remotely as he's running his business from Tampa, Florida. For how long, who knows, but currently that's what he's doing and it's been going fantastic for him. So we talk about some of the things that he's learned doing that in terms of having to transition and just his advice for if you wanted to try working remotely, either permanently or temporarily, I think you'll get some great nuggets from this conversation with Steve. Also in my conversation with Tom Hall, we talk about moving your business to the cloud, which kind of ties perfectly into what Steve and I were talking about. Before we jump in this episode, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadians. It's very easy to use for borrowers. As the borrower is filling out the app, it's automatically figuring out the documents that they need. When that app comes in, you can take it and go search lender spotlight, figure out all the rates, guidelines. And then finally, before you hit submit, you can pull all the key data from the application, put in the submission notes to make it easy for your underwriters so they can give you a yes. Check them out at lendescom slash Finmo. And thanks again for checking out this episode. Hey, Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, Scotty, how are we doing? I'm awesome, man. I got to say, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. And I was thinking the other day, I cannot believe that you've not been in the podcast with me. We've talked about lots of stuff. We've done coaching together, training. And as you're going to find out when you listen to Stevie D talk, smart dude, you're like a mini Tony Robbins or Jim Rohn <laughs> in terms of it. your communication skills. It. And I usually do my intro because I've known you so long. So the thing I always say about Steve is that, so his dad was a lawyer, his mom was a school teacher, and he had to argue to get dessert. And he got very good, very good at <laughs> communicating that is not and how to like get his way and his point across. And that shows up in the way that you do your mortgage business. It shows up in the way that you do your coaching and like the feedback from Steve. He's one of the coaches at 10 Loans a Month Academy. The feedback is off the charts. People like, I love that guy. So it's fun to chat with you. And yes. in particular today, we're going to talk, we're going to get there. We won't do it right away, but I want to get to how you transition from a, you know, really a high touch. You met everybody face to face because you're person, so good at that, yeah. right? You convert really high, probably because of all those other skills to now being fully remote, working from how many kilometers away is Kelowna from Tampa? Like uh, like 4,000? I think it's like 4,000. 4, it was a 55-hour drive in a U-Haul in the winter. So, I mean, if we weren't committed on the way there, we were committed by the time we got there. Yeah, it's right. a wave. And you moved there with your wife and your three boys. So, yeah, it's yeah. like 3,000 miles, whatever that is in kilometers. Okay, is so let's jump into yeah. it. So, yeah, tell me about yourself and how did you sure. get into the mortgage business? Sure. So I am a 30, uh, 35, 38-year-old father of three, as Gotti said. I've got three crazy boys, Jackson, Carter, Logan, eight, 10, and 12, and a beautiful wife, Jolene, who has like her superpower is probably patience and putting up with me because we're Amen all a that. little <laughs> we're all a little different on camera than we are with our hair down and a makeup off. And so she's pretty great. 
Life-wise, I am passionate about real estate, personal finance, self-development, optimized living, and I love, love, love speaking on these kind of topics. So those kind of things light me up. Work-wise, I am involved in some real estate development, especially down in the States, some apartment syndication. I do that on the side. Probably the thing that makes me most come alive is the coaching. And it's the one-on-one in the group coaching I get to do with Scott and through ILMB and 10 loans a month. That definitely feeds my passion and is something that I love to do. Strictly broker-wise, I run a mortgage practice. I've been doing it since early 2010, so just about 12 years. And I'm passionate about it. I feel like I just, like so many of you, I got so ridiculously blessed to fall into this by accident. And Scotty, you always said, most people are working on their plan B and very few kindergartners dreamed about being a mortgage broker, but they should. And so I love the business we fell into. But what I'm most passionate about in the business is a little bit different than some people. I love the potential and the ability to level up. That upgrading and improving you improves your income, your contribution, your reach, the prestige of your business, the profitability. I love that you can surround yourself with people you enjoy doing life with while getting better at the same time. I'm ruthless about managing, as Kanye would say, getting your money rate, but managing the finances of your business. I think a lot of people who are self-employed in real estate or mortgages or financial management don't manage their money as well as they advise. And then I love trying to maximize my hourly profit. I think many commission industries have it wrong where they talk about the almighty gross as if that's something you can take to the bank in cash. And uh, they should be focusing or could be focusing in addition on what they actually make each hour. So last year, I funded just under $100 million on about 15 to 20 hours a week of strictly the mortgage side of things. And we still took eight full weeks of vacation. Dark, like lights out, like not checking the phone, uninterrupted time. And I think for a lot of mortgage brokers, a little more me time and a little more family time and a little more doing the things that you truly love would actually be just as satisfying as doubling your income. Right, right. I don't know about taking vacation. I know I love that you do. I don't know how to do it because it's not like I'm just like, but so a couple of quick. You're things, a special you know, breed though, buddy. You're, yeah, I'm, you're, I'm a little odd. So you'd said, you know, when you take your makeup off, you don't actually wear makeup, but I have shit. When we go to conferences, we share hotel rooms a lot because you're we very do. frugal. That's because we're trying to save money. Oh, and uh, you take a long time to get ready. I'm just I, I don't say, get ready quick. Over. That's, that's like, not a lie. Dude, are we going to go? And you're like, your hair is perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, you look amazing. But I'm He like, didn't tell me he would bring this up. But no, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's true. I don't get rid of it. We're not editing it out either. Uh, it's not wrong. So <laughs> you've been in the business for 12 years, but let's just back up. What were you doing before mortgages? Like, so like, just because... Oh. Yeah, like because I know the story, but you know, people yeah, listen go kind, kind of a hodgepodge of different things. I'd been in the hospitality industry, serving bartending, putting myself through college. I worked actually for a call center at Disney. It wasn't as good as it sounds. It wasn't like Mickey Mouse. It was more like the movie Office Space. I'm, I'm Mickey the Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up getting promoted to a position where I oversaw a team and I managed all the escalated calls. So the crazy, angry American clients that we had that were incensed about something, that was my team and something that we actually had to deal with. It was like Mr. Miyagi, the wax on, wax off. You were learning one thing and then later it would come into play with so much more significant. So I did that. I worked at a church for a while in a very public role, lots of public speaking and So later in life, when I got into mortgages and accidentally tripped into it, my wife and I had just got married. We were building a home. I mean, spoiler alert, at like the worst time possible, 2008. But we met a mortgage broker through the process. 
And I didn't know anything about it. A buddy introduced me. And I sometimes joke it was less like the movie Pursuit of Happiness and more like the movie Talented Mr. Ripley. If you remember that movie with Matt Damon and um, Jude Law, he sees this guy. So Matt Damon's character, you didn't expect me to say this. No, guy. no, tell me the story because I'm drawing a blank on Talented So in the movie, Matt Damon plays this kind of like quirky outsider guy. And he sees this character, Jude Law's character, who has like this amazing life. And it's a little dark, but he ends up trying to be him. And he ends up killing him in a rowboat and then just trying to assume his identity. So that's super dark. And I took that way too far, but I thank met this God, mortgage Thank broker. God you didn't, who did you kill? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't you. I actually, I'm not in contact with him anymore, but he's a really nice guy. He was articulate. He admitted that he came in around 10, left at about two. He had a nice car, nice family, multiple properties. And inside I said, I want that life. I want that job. And I want to give it a try. And that was 2010. And I never looked back. I can't believe, I thought it was longer than that, but I guess- so you started actually in a rough time because it was challenging. Yes. There was less going on. It was more refis at that time because it uh, was more something, but it was dead yeah. quiet. Yeah, you had to hustle, man, like crazy. And um, mm -hmm. all right. So I always like to ask about a quote that's had an impact on your life or business. And I know like you're the kind of guy who can be like, hey, Scott, remember from grade nine science and page 126 <laughs> when they yeah. reference this? I'm like, no, Steve, I have no idea what you're talking about. But can you share a quote that's really had an impact on your life or business and how you apply it? For sure. I'm a huge quotes guy. And one of my favorites, and I'm paraphrasing, is by William James. And it says, he was an American philosopher a couple hundred years ago. He said, the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter the quality of life by changing their thinking. Or some people say the quote is by changing their attitudes. And it just, to me, it explains the phenomenon that we've seen in others and that we've seen in ourselves when we stop and reflect that you are infinitely upgradable. It's like you are starring, you are the main character in your own life's video game. And just like when you used to sign into a good game on like the Super Nintendo or something like that, on one side of your screen, that would be you, your avatar just standing there. And then the other side would be all your stats. You remember this guy? It'd be like strength. Oh, yeah. Health, I intelligence, I used to love agility. Games. I don't do them now because I wait. I would no. I would you can destroy just get... my. I would destroy my business. I feel like I just oh, play, for sure. But I would level up my video games so I don't touch them. But you would, and then next yeah. month you'd notice your strengths up a little bit, your intelligence or your agility. And what I love about life, what I love about our business, even, is that you get to level up you, which is one of the most basic human cravings is to progress and to get better. And when we do that in our business, you get paid more, you get appreciated more, you get recognized more, and you get to build something tangible. So that quote kind of perfectly dovetails into what I'm passionate about and what we're talking about today. Right. Yeah. And I see you do that actually in your coaching and how you show up and everything is just like constantly about mindset and stuff. So, so what's something that thinking back that there was a failure in it, but you know, I always <laughs> think a failure is never final, but there's a lesson in it. And I'm curious, something that didn't work with the way you expected, but now you go, Hey, wait a second. This is something that good came from it. For sure. One that came to mind when I was thinking of that question is hiring my first employee. So I have the world's best client care manager right now. I absolutely love her. Her name is Tanya. I don't know if she'll ever see this, but it's true. But the first one I hired, so I guess it would be two before Tanya. I won't say her name. She's a lovely human and it absolutely didn't work out. And it was the, it's not you, it's me, but it really was me because I was good at the hiring part. I had done it from restaurant jobs where I'd hired people, from Disney where I'd hired people, but I didn't know how to train them when I wasn't given the manual. 
And I didn't have the manual. I'm not an innately organized, conscientious person. I'm a show up, we'll wing it, and we'll work it out. You'll like me, I'll like you, and something will come to me. It's like Michael Scott says in that Office episode, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't even know how it's going to end. And that's kind of been <laughs> sometimes that my is me MO. for sure. <laughs> yeah, but you have a fantastic memory and you do think in structure. So I've seen you take, like somebody will ask you a question, or, I have three thoughts on that. I'm like, you have three thoughts on that. And I actually have quotes and references. I'm like, somebody just asked you the damn question and you come up with it. So I'm actually surprised to hear you say that you have struggled with training somebody knowing that about you. So what was the mismatch? How did that happen? I think the other side of so many of our, you know, a double-edged sword, the other side of our strengths is often something where a hidden weakness or something we've compensated for because we're so good at this. Sometimes people that are so excellent speakers are not really that organized or don't arrive on time or just show up and throw up. Sometimes people that are incredibly organized and detail-oriented do not like being put on the spot and having to be spontaneous. And so I realized when I hired this person, I had the right person, I had a need, and I didn't know how to get this onto a manual to explain it to her. And by this, you pointed at your head because people can't all, see that. All they don't my processes. I couldn't <laughs> have to get this, this thing that you just pointed at, your head. Yeah, that's right. Your head onto their head. Okay. So then like, how did you recognize uh, that this was not working or what it was? It dribbled out over the next three to six months. We had an idea that she would come on part-time and ramp up to full-time. She kind of mercy killed me about three or four months in. and was like, I'm not sure you really need me. So I'll keep doing task A and B, but I'll do it from home three or four hours a week. But maybe we can take a look at it again. And she was kind of trying to say, call me when there's a job. And so I right. realized I needed to get a process and I needed to get some systems. And that being in my head wasn't a manual. If I was abducted by aliens and I left, there was nobody who knew how to run my business or the ways that we liked stuff done. So that was definitely a failure. And we've improved since then, I'd like to say. Right. So that happened to me actually when I hired Shannon to come back. This was back in like, I can't remember, maybe 2015. I'm like, oh, I'm so busy. Come back to work for me. She's like, sure, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm like, okay, I'll buy you a new car. And so I bought her a car. She came, she came back. <laughs> to be clear, this is his wife, people. He doesn't wife. do this yeah, with employees. Wife. Yeah, employees. And then she quit two days later. She's like, you don't need me. You don't even know what you're going to get me to do. And she literally just quit. And I was like. And she kept the car. What, what a about gangster. The car? What about, she's, <laughs> I'm not giving you back the car. Uh, and it's because I didn't, as you say, I think it's really important as a mortgage broker, map out the customer journey, the entire process, yeah. and yeah. then figure out where you're going to insert that team member. Step one, step three, step eight. And then I don't like to rely on that inside the software, like the CRM. It's kind of like the CRM is like the house. The blueprint is the Google Doc or something where it's actually mapped out, where it's like, this is not any of the technology. This is yeah. everything. Is, it's a blueprint that I can then go and apply. Because sometimes some of the things are done in the CRM, some of them done on the phone, some of them done on an email. Like, so this is why it needs to be separate from everything, I think. But in any yeah. case, I learned a mistake, cost me a car and my wife quitting after two days. <laughs> Um, and same with you too. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's hilarious. Okay. So let's talk about your business pre-Florida and post-Florida. So you went, you mm -hmm. moved down November of 2021, right? Like, mm -hmm. Right at the end of November, almost December one. Yeah. I remember we were meeting lots, going to Cactus Club for old fashions and you're like, Hey, I'm that's going. Right. Like, oh, it sucks. It wasn't like, terrible. Yeah. You drove down there. And so prior to that, just people have a background, your business, like you did have a very high touch. People come into your office at least once you'd meet them or do you meet them twice? Oh, easily twice, easily right. twice. Often we would meet to do the sort of qualifying meeting, the pre-approval, if you want to call it, or to pitch yourself, explain what they should do in the renewal or the refinance, the why you meeting. And then we would right. meet again to sign. And sometimes if you went pre-approval or, or things got stale, we would meet again a third time. So there was three meetings with the average client where I'm in a monkey suit waiting at, you know, 
every client's favorite time, 4.30 afternoon on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to meet with people. And despite that, it was lucrative, despite that I had it wedged down or narrowed down to, you know, not too many hours per day, but they certainly weren't my first choice and not the way I wanted to spend it. And so that was my business beforehand. And obviously my business now is totally remote, at least for this season. We don't know how long we're staying here or how long that's going to be. It might be for a couple more months. It might be longer. We're taking it as it comes, but it's all remote now and it's all phone and Zoom. And I haven't met with a client since I guess it'd be about August. Right. And your conversion rate was extremely high on these yeah. meetings as well as your referral rate. And I know we chatted about this like, Steve, like, oh, are you still meeting people? Because I would think you're like 60 or you're not, you're 38. I'm like, are you 60? <laughs> like you want to, yeah, they exactly. got to come in and I got to sign the papers. I know you weren't <laughs> exactly. like that extreme, but like, so to go from that to now this, so what surprised you most or what were the changes you had to make in order to, oh, yes. to facilitate this? Great question, Scott. Great question. And you know what? I think what it came down to the most is I might have justified or I might have given you a great front for why I was doing that. Maybe I'd say it's based on my giftings or that I really enjoy meeting with people in person. There's some truth to that. But the core of this issue was my own limiting belief. You know, as Jordan Belfort says, you know, the thing standing between you and what you want is the BS story you tell yourself of why you can't have it. And for me, the limiting belief was I won't be able to close them in a competitive world, in a world of all different mortgage models and all different compensation models. If I don't see them in person, see the whites of their eyes and make them laugh and go deep with them, they're not going to do business with me. And that's the limiting belief I had. And if you met me a year ago, you would have thought I was a very confident mortgage broker and that things were going good. But at its core, I just had that belief as just this rock that wouldn't budge. And moving, my desire to move, my desire to try this six-month or six-year adventure, whatever it turns out to be, forced me out of that. So I would say that the biggest change was that it had to test my theories, and then it took me off autopilot. I strongly believe that most mortgage professionals, if you've been doing this five years or more, in most areas of your business, you're coasting. In most areas of your business, you're on autopilot. And there might be some that you're really proactive and really intentional, but most is we just fall into the routines. We're just walking, talking, breathing bundle of habits. And once you realize you're going to shut down your office, you're going to move over to Zoom, you start to realize that I've got to do a hard audit on my entire business. I can't just do it how I've always done. And that was so, so important because number one, there was no validity behind the lie that I had to meet with people in person. It's the idea that the shadow of fear is always much larger than fear itself when it comes around the corner. And when I actually started meeting with clients, when I actually started talking to them on Zoom, my conversion rates were maybe not perfectly the same, but very, very close to if I had been meeting with them in person. But what it turned out to be is it was a 20-minute Zoom call or a 20 minute phone call rather than an hour and 20 minute meeting at the end of the day. And so going back to that idea of net profitability per hour, it was a much, much higher number when I was meeting with them that way. And they were still having a great experience and still giving me five-star reviews or referring their friends. So the other metrics, you know, it's great if a system is working well for us, but if the clients are suffering, yeah, is it working for the client? It's like, okay, yeah, you know, but, right. but we were getting good feedback. And so I love that it forced me to do that audit. I had to come up with some hard questions. And just like when I hired my first gal, I had to realize, okay, there's some things about my business I need to fix. I've just been relying on personality or winging it. And that forced audit really shored up some weak areas. 
And uh, it challenges you on whether you are a business owner. Tony Robbins, in his uh, incredible program called Business Mastery, he always says to people, if your business could not survive without you for a year, if you went and hiked, you know, um, Mount Everest for a year and there'd be nothing left when you came back, you don't have a business. You have a job. And you took and too long to get up Everest. You took <laughs> and you, and you died on you Everest. You're dead. You died. So you're not coming you back. You stopped at base camp and Stephen Scotty had old fashions. Yeah. But for many of us, we're just well-paid, self-employed people. And we've got limiting beliefs on what it means to be a business owner. Yeah, I might 2x my income, but I'll 10x my stress. Or yeah, the crap will always roll uphill. I'll always have to deal with it. I've found just a little taste of automating things and testing those beliefs to find that there's a better business on the other side of your limiting beliefs. Go ahead. Okay, so I got some questions on this because it goes back to your quote, change the quality of their life by changing their thinking. You change your thinking about, I have to meet face-to-face. So I want to get nitty gritty though, because I know you're very um, articulate, but I want to get into the weeds. So specifically, you switched to using Zoom more. So do you use Zoom for all types of calls or only certain calls? Like when would you use Zoom versus the phone? I would say that I do both, sometimes depending on the client's needs, the client's comfort level, the size of the loan, the existing relationship with the client. I might do the phone. I might do Zoom. Sometimes- And so you would, they, would you lean more to Zoom? Would you feel like Zoom can solidify the relationship a little bit better than a phone call? Or It can. Feel- it can. Yeah. It's probably, again, on that metric of your closing rate versus your efficiency or your net profit per hour. I mean, you can get a lot done in maybe a 10 or 15 minute phone call or a 20 or 30 minute Zoom or an hour, an hour, 10 in-person meeting. And I think that the farther you go up the scale, maybe the more sticky you become, maybe slightly better close rate. But I think the farther down the scale you go, you can often be more efficient. And many clients, here's another thing we tricked ourselves. Canadians are polite. Maybe sometimes we thought, oh, they love to come to my office and meet me and have me talk about my kids and ask about their meet. Sometimes they just want the money, Scotty. They just want this done. They didn't want to be wined and dined about their mortgage. They thought, is there a faster, more efficient way to do this? Now, clients are different, but I've noticed that on the other side here. So I'll use the phone. I'll use Zoom. Some clients, we've just, you know, the process is almost entirely email. It seems to differ. If it's a past client or something, right? Okay, so what other pieces of tech did you have to implement in this transition? Because I know you used to have like, most recently, we had an office in like a Regis where people would come mm-hmm. in, you had a receptionist. Yeah. And so you go to this whole Zoom model. So is there any other tech or things that you had to start using new or more with this that you didn't use before? Not totally. I've messed around with looking into phone services or calling services or Ring Central or stuff. But I am at its core a fairly low tech person in the softwares that I use or the apps that I use. So There isn't a new technology yet. I'm all ears to those who are doing it and they're like early adopters and very good at this, but there's no new technology that I'm using now. Let me just make sure that's true. So were you using DocuSign before or what? Absolutely. Yeah. So I was using Sign Now, which is just a DocuSign one. I was using BombBomb, but now I use it more specifically for signing packages. So most of the stuff I was using, maybe it just got ramped up. Right. Okay. So explain to me signing package, bomb bomb use, because that was something we're doing a signing meeting. So now you're placed with a signing package, right? For sure. What is that exactly? Like if somebody is like, what do you mean by a signing package? Via yeah. So when the client's approval and all the compliant documents come in, we would prepare them. I would do a screen recording, sometimes with a little picture of me in the thumbnail going through each page. Depending on if you look good or not today. I look, <laughs> you know, I look good today. I'm going to. That's right. 
<laughs> That's right. How's my tan? And then I would prepare a pre-recorded video of me reviewing the package. I was able to do that in a much more efficient time. The client didn't just feel like they were nodding as I go through it in a whirlwind pace and just signing it, but they were able to go through it at their time, at their leisure, ask questions. But most of the time, the video, you get really, really adept at touching on the points you know that you get the most questions about. And so right. those videos might be anywhere from five, 10, 15 minutes, depending on the specifics. But I was finding that nine out of 10 clients were like, that was great. Thank you. I understood it. And off to the races. Again, an efficiency win that seemed to leave the clients feeling equally enthused about it. The great part about a video is they can pause and rewind it. You got to remember, like we talk to stuff all day long. For us, it's just second nature. But for them, it's like, well, what? oh, okay. So you can't do that. Me and you talking, I can't pause and rewind you. And you sometimes don't want to interrupt. So I think it's fairly effective. So you added video in for signing packages. You use Zoom meetings. What other challenges and stuff have you had switching from the previous model to this model? Hmm. Um, or did you have any? I think you have to be, when you know you're not going to rub shoulders or do life alongside your clients or your centers of influence or your referral partners, you need to be much more intentional of staying in front of them. For some of us, we've fallen out of the habit of calling or writing or messaging our referral partners or our centers of influence, those who you know, refer us over and over again. And when you're farther away, you've got to make sure you're on top of that. And so it can't be left a chance because you can't just go for a cocktail or go for a coffee or see them on the golf course, invite them over for poker, or meet their spouse. So you need to make sure that's built into your schedule and not left a chance. So did you explain to your referral sources, hey, I'm going down here. Do they know you were going? Do they still think that you're around? No, to stuff? the key ones, the ones that you have, you know, maybe some of the ones that send you a really on one-off deal. Yeah, once a year um, kind of thing. We yeah. didn't reach out to all of them, but the ones that we do regular businesses, we reached out to a lot of them and they knew well in advance what was happening. We asked them to give us feedback on what is working and what isn't working because we wanted to make sure that they were still feeling supported and comfortable. And I think like so many times, they think in the back of their head, okay, we'll guinea pick this. Like, we'll see how this goes. We'll test it out. And uh, if he's AWOL or he's not around, then I'll look in other options. So I think you need to be very vigilant and proactive of making sure that you're reaching out to them and you're making sure that on their end, their experience and their service stays high. Right. There was something else you were going to say, and I cut you off. Like, I just wanted to ask a question. Oh, yeah. I'd say that they're more the intangibles, buddy. But when you're talking about moving, doing your business fully remotely, either for a season or for the rest of your life, the two last ones are maybe the ones that make me smile the most. It gives you such ridiculous appreciation, appreciation for our incredible industry. You know, you've been hearing me say for six or seven years, Scotty, what's great about our business is you train like a stylist and you get paid like a surgeon. But I would add to that now, you train like a stylist, you get paid like a surgeon and you work remote like a writer. So many people, you talk to them now and they're in the Bahamas or Cancun or Panama or Croatia or Europe and their business is still going and their clients are still being served. And so surgeons can't do that. You can't do remote surgery. Even our realtor partners. Not yet. it's probably coming so i have huge appreciation for our incredible industry like i said that we're all so blessed to have fallen into or to stumbled across the other one is it just allows you to pursue your bliss for many of us if you're in this business and you're 25 35 45 it doesn't really matter and you're at a nice comfortable rhythm there's times maybe when you're going for a drive or right before you fall asleep or you're in the shower where you kind of think so is it just this 
like, am I just going to do this for 10, 20 or 30 more years? And the house might get a little bigger and the cars might get a little faster and the vacations might get a little, but other than that, it's just this. And you wonder what if, what if I lived somewhere else? What if I tried out this other work venture? What if I just flipped up the script? Will I regret this when I'm 85? And so many other industries don't have that luxury. They have to stay, you know, butt in seat where they are. And so I used to think I loved Mexico and I do love Mexico. But my favorite part of Mexico would be when you'd come out of your little hut or your little room. Mojitos, and you could... no, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was my second. Was that you'd I'd feel that tropical air. I now realize it's that humidity. You'd smell like almost like the plants with the ocean mixed with it. There's just the local, um, that tropic feeling. I loved waking up to that and would just instantly put me in a good mood. You'd see the sun, it'd be 26 degrees at 7 a.m. And I just smell the tropics. And for me, pursuing my bliss, I mean, I liked California. I liked Phoenix as much as their next person, but I love waking up and it feels like the tropics. It's 30 or hotter almost every day. It's beautiful out. That Cancun Cabo smell is just in the air. And that allows me to pursue my bliss. So I'll keep doing mortgages, but I'm getting to explore some of those what if questions. And that's pretty dang fun. You know, when you say to make money like a surgeon, I had to pull up surgeon salaries. So I'm like, well, okay, theirs well, might be higher. I don't know. No, 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 no. Hold on. BC surgeon average is 560. I know you make more than that. But the highest paid surgeon is actually ophthalmology surgeon did you know this an eye doctor yeah like up to 1.5 million like 880 is the average for a ophthalmology did you ever get your Uh, eyes lasered scotty i didn't yeah this has nothing to do with the podcast (laughs) just like no i didn't but i was just like just real my add it's like real time you're just getting just chatting okay i want to ask you something about how do you manage a schedule you're giving a three-hour time difference because so you move from like west coast to eastern you know so it's three hours what things have you put in place to make that work what works well about that and what doesn't like you know i'm curious i think sometimes just like we do with our toddlers we do this with our clients or we do this with our friends and we give people an abundance of choice mortgage brokers have a great connection with a client everything's looking good they want to set up a second phone call zoom or an in-person meeting and they all of a sudden go from being the consultant like the lawyer or the physician to the barista the order taker how would you like it Mm. sir small medium or large how can i make it better for you and they capitulate they roll over onto their tummy and say i'm available whenever you are sure that was my anniversary but she won't mind when would you like to meet and i think that sometimes that abundance of choice actually causes you to subconsciously lose leverage in the conversation maybe lose respect or professionalism in the eyes of who you're talking to and it can make you miserable if all your meetings are at 5 6 and 7 p.m it's kind of hard to have dinner with the family and so Certainly, there are some dynamics that I notice with being three hours ahead than a lot of my clients, although some are in Alberta and some are in Ontario. It hasn't been an issue. One thing I know now is that many clients want to have conversations with me before work starts. So their time, their 7, 7.30, 8 a.m. time slots. Well, for me, they're 10, 11, and 11.30. They're kind of ideal. You would not have been talking about 7 o'clock in the morning if you were still here. <laughs> I know you wouldn't have. Right? That's there's 100%. No there's, right. just, there's no chance. They're like You're not yeah. the barista going, oh, sure. Anytime you're like, no, 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 no. these are my so, client yeah. yeah. So it's not about arm wrestling them into your slots, but it's about what if you actually looked for a time that works for both of them? Sometimes they just naturally say, sure, I'll meet you Friday at five. 
But if you had presented Thursday at 12 noon or Friday at 8 a.m., they might have jumped on it. It's like you go to the dentist. They never ask you when you like to meet or see the dentist again. They're like, we have next year on Wednesday at 7 a.m. or 2024 on a Tuesday. And you just take whatever it is and you don't really think about it. So I think there's a way to find a win-win. We're still taking care of the client, but it's a time that works around your schedule as well. Right. Okay. So we got to wrap up this chat because we've been talking for a while and we can do that. So what is your last piece of advice for somebody in 60 seconds or less? I know this may be a challenge. In 60 (laughs) seconds or less, what's your last piece of advice for somebody who's thinking about doing this either permanently or temporarily working remote from their current, you know, primary market? Just do it. For the adventure, for what you'll learn about yourself, what you'll learn about your spouse, your kids, your business, your limited beliefs, do it for the adventure. I feel like now, Scotty, regardless of where I live next year, I can't even go back to the old me if I tried. I have been permanently altered for the better. And I've seen it in my kids and my wife who are not involved in the business per se, but how they had to like grow and up their little games in the case of my kids and just become a better little mini version of themselves. So for those who are thinking of it, do it. Two months, six months, a year, give it a try. And on the other side, I think there's a happier, more excited, upgraded you ready to be had. Right. Awesome, man. Well, thanks, DVD. Always love chatting with you, man. And we'll have to get you back on at some point in the future. And we'll pick a different topic. Love chatting with you too, pal. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to this conversation with Steve. Hopefully you've got some inspired about either trying this, you know, for permanently or temporarily for a season to get away from your current market and run your business. If you want to find out more about Steve, go check out 10loansamonth.com. That's the number 10loansamonth.com. He's one of our amazing coaches. And as you can tell, the guy is wicked smart, runs a fantastic business. In this upcoming segment, I talked to Tom Hall about getting your business into the cloud. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here. So, hey, what's the topic that we're going to chat about today? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, it's a little bit of a buzz term, but it's the cloud, right? The all mysterious cloud. And well, really, it's not too mysterious. How I think of it, and I think how a lot of people do is just, you know, getting aspects of your business or whatever you're doing online, right? Getting it to a place where you can manage it from really any place that has internet and taking advantage of those types of technologies. So you can really do that wherever you are. And it's all just completely internet based. So using the cloud to be able to do that. And this really kind of came about, I thought it was interesting. We were able to take advantage of the cloud. We recently got laptops for our whole team and we were kind of up and running probably within the week. There was some kinks to work out, but we were pretty quick. And then just that same week, or maybe the week after I was talking to someone who also kind of got new laptops and she said, hey, I've been doing this for three months trying to transition over, right? So just kind of seeing those comparisons, drawing those comparisons, I thought, hey, maybe a good thing to talk about this week. Right, yeah, I totally agree. I think like our mortgage company is completely virtual and you have to be, you know, digitally, I guess, integrated and make it easy. Like, I think I could run my business off a Chromebook. I literally, imagine running a company off of a Chromebook. Now, it's nice to have a bit more power if you're going to do any graphics and stuff. But if you don't know what a Chromebook is, it's basically just a, digital like it's kind of like an ipad that, right yeah like a ipad with a yeah. built-in keyboard right it's just super lightweight and you just open it up and you access the internet that's all it does right and if you, um, yeah you yeah. can access the internet with it but you wouldn't run sophisticated programs on it because it. it does not have the horsepower for it but 
Um, yeah. I think you could build a mortgage company today or you know, a broker should be able to run their business off a of Chromebook if they set it up properly. So let's dive into that. So yeah, what right. are some of the ways yeah. that you have found? Because you guys are already, you're ahead of the curve on this. What have you found that has been effective? Yeah, I mean, maybe we're a bit ahead of a curve. Maybe it's a little bit of drinking your own Kool-Aid here for sure. But, you know, we do find that it really helps in a lot of ways. And of course, with the brokers we work with, first, you know, we I told that anecdote and that's, you know, one kind of easy example, but to get into specific details, you know, the first and foremost, we really see it kind of the lowest hanging fruit that really drives a lot of impact is kind of the team collaboration, right? So now instead of, you know, having files, whether it's, you know, documents from a client or just spreadsheets that you collaborate on a team instead of having it in these different places it's now when you have it kind of on the internet in the cloud you're going to hear me say that a lot then anyone can access it anyone can collaborate on it there's no version control there's no confusion of what's where and where did i put that thing it's all in a centralized place so if you do have a team everyone knows exactly where they need to go to get the resources they need right and so what are some of the tools you guys use so i can think of three immediately that popped mm -hmm. to mind, what tools do you use to allow you to collaborate as a team remotely? Right. So I would say, you know, a top one would be something like a, so we're all Zoho based. So you're going to hear me say that. So we use something called work drive, but it's just like a Google drive. So being able to throw up documents, a folder, that's basically just a website, right? Where you can go and you can see that and your team can, or you could even share that with your clients if you wanted them to share some documents with you. So that's a big one. Very related, but I think it's worth mentioning separately is something like a Google Sheets or a Google Docs. So mm -hmm. if you're making documents or if you have a list of clients that you're you know working through or want to reach out to, having like a spreadsheet or a Microsoft Word doc, but it's online and you can have multiple people and you can see their cursors and see what they're doing. I think it's a great tool. And and then the final one's just the CRM, of course, right? I'm gonna you know, mention that just because it's doing that same type of thing, but putting in the context of your day-to-day and -day your business, yeah. being able to write notes and create tasks and doing that sort of thing. Right. Well, I'll touch on a couple that we use. So we yeah. use Slack for chat. So right. because yep. we're a dispersed team, we're in, I think, four different provinces, three or oh. four, I don't know. We use Asana for projects. So that's Project, like, sure. I don't yep. actually use it, but the team does. I don't like, I'm not that I don't like Asana, but <laughs> I just... I don't use sure. it. So yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just being honest. We use Google Workspaces for like, you know, the yep. different Gmail and Docs. And of course, Blue Mortgage is how mm. we keep track of our mortgages. And I go in there every morning. I look at our pipeline. I'm like, what's going on? What's next month yep. look like? I love that. I'm just like, I log into it every day, you know. So yeah, that makes it really easy. And I can be anywhere. I could literally do all that from a Chromebook or from uh, totally. you know, an iPad and mm -hmm. run the whole business. So yeah, that makes collaboration. So what are the other things that you notice that are important for having a cloud-based business? Yeah, the other one, I mean, it kind of does relate maybe a bit closer to kind of the story I was telling earlier, but just being able to have those multiple types of devices, right? So it is great if you are making a transition from, you know, one computer to another. Hey, it's pretty easy to pick up because all you need to do is load up a web page, which is pretty much the same anywhere you go. But taking it maybe a step further or just a different way to look at it, I also really like it for collaboration across my multiple devices. So I got a computer, I do a lot of work on it, but I also have a phone. So if I'm on about, I'm taking calls or I'm doing this or that, I want to be able to make some notes or record something that's happened. I can quickly pull out my phone, write that note. Now it's in the cloud. And then next time I get back to my computer, it's there sitting there waiting for me. So mm -hmm. it's good for transitions, but also as I have different devices based on what I'm doing, they can all talk to each other. Yeah, I totally, yeah. I think that's important, especially nowadays. And I think most of our team is on Mac I'd say, well, 60% is Mac and 30% yeah. is PC or 40% and it doesn't make any difference. 
because we're not sharing things that are native to those platforms. Exactly. We're, we're using cloud-based tools. Okay, so there's collaborative as a team. So think about that. What are the tools you're going to use? The second is multiple devices. What are the things do you find are important for running a cloud-based business? Yeah, and then, so those would be kind of the first two. And then the last one I would just kind of throw out there is just kind of, you know, the worst case scenario. I think about, you know, those bad days you've had, your computer doesn't want to open or, you know, your email gets hacked or, you know, the list goes on and on. But having something in the cloud allows you to be able to recover it very quickly. And actually, it's a little counterintuitive, I think, but in a lot of ways, it's a lot more secure, right? I think, you know, with documents being exchanged over emails, you know, I think that as time goes on, banks and lenders are going to be a little bit more and more uncomfortable with it and using something more cloud-based to be able to share that sort of thing is actually much more secure and protects you against, you know, those types of data breaches and, well, it just makes it a lot, lot more difficult for someone to do that. So protecting yourself and protecting your business from those bad days, really. Your computer breaks or your laptop right. gets stolen. And jump in the pool you with your phone. Yeah. Or... You're like, <laughs> and jump in. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. I have not done that, but my son, first two phones he got. The first one he walked into the ocean with in Mexico in his pocket. And the <laughs> second one I can really do. But he had yeah. two phones, he's wrecked them from water yeah, exactly. damage. But I mean, of course, he's not yeah. running a cloud-based business. Not that I'm part of it. <laughs> not yet. Maybe not someday. yet. Not yet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So I totally agree with you. I think that as mortgage brokers now, you know, maybe use like the Chromebook test. Can you right. even if it was temporarily run your business from a Chromebook? And if so, you have a cloud-based business because that is really just a cloud accessing machine. If you have to have a bunch of other stuff, yeah. it'd be pretty cool to build massive business with $300 Chromebooks. It'd be like, you know, like our kids get in school. Pretty right? cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'll let you wrap this up. So why don't you do a recap, just things to think about if you're going to try to be more cloud-based. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about the cloud, I think, you know, maybe a little still, but, you know, cloud is sometimes a little bit mysterious to people. What is it? What does it mean? It's about getting the resource and the things you do on the internet and by doing that, it allows you to collaborate better with your team, allows you to be able to access multiple devices and really finally kind of protects you from those bad days, you know, jumping into a pool or something gets destroyed or your email gets hacked or whatever that might look like. Getting it on the cloud is more secure, is more reliable, allows you to do those things. And to Scott's point, I really like it. Do the Chromebook test. So maybe next time you go on vacation or you're going somewhere, leave the laptop behind, bring the Chromebook, bring the iPad, whatever that might be. See if you can get away with it for a couple of days. And if you can, then, you know, you can check that box of being quite a bit more cloud-based. So, yeah, I think that's the best way to kind of think through that. Right. That's awesome. Well, if you guys are listening to this, you want to check out Tom's company, Blue Mortgage, Blue with no E, bluemortgage.ca. No, no e. yeah. <laughs> um, and you can have a cloud-based CRM that plays nice with all the other platforms and you own it, which is fantastic, which means, you know, if you ever did change companies or something, your data is still there. Everything runs totally fine. Check them out. Tom, always good chat with me, brother. And uh, yeah, bluemortgage.ca. Check it out. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks again for listening to this conversation I had today with Steve and Tom. Hopefully, you picked up a couple ideas for your business. If you want more ideas, go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com, set up a free power search account, and you can literally keyword search all of the past episodes and literally find anything in the episodes. It's totally free. Go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com and check it out. And thanks again for checking out this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.